before I start, there's a couple of things I want to remind you of and put in your mind before we look at this material. Number one, Paul was concerned that all of God's people might miss the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. This is not a tough job, people. To be a Christian is not a tough job. People make it that way. But it's not really. It's an easy thing to be. And I think we'll see this morning how easy it can be because we're going to look at God's ideal for His people to, to, to be what they need to be and what is required of them and whatever. And the second thing is God is so consistent with everything in His book. There is not one lesson that stands out by itself. Everything is connected. And that's what we need to understand. But when you come and you hear a sermon on Sunday morning, you think, well, it's by itself, and then next Sunday will be in No, 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 no. The whole book is one book, and it has one message. And we need to understand that. The message is just told in four or 5,000 ways. That's the reason it's so thick. But it's the same message all the way through. Remember what we talked about several Sundays ago about this thing of perspective. What is your perspective? Perspective is the angle in which you look at something. Now, perception is a word just about like perspective. It's not the angle in which you look at something, but it's what you think about what you have just looked at. So perception is the way you look at something and perception is what you get from what you see. It's the idea you get from what you see. God says if you're going to brag about anything, brag that you know me and understand me. Now with that in mind, I read scripture to you three weeks ago. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My, higher, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We don't think like God. So in order to be what God wants us to be, we have to ask him, how am I supposed to think? Let this mind be in you, he said, that was also in Christ Jesus. So that's the way we think. We think like Jesus did. He's our example. And you've got to remember now, something as small as an egg is a whole day's work for a chicken. That's the way they see it. And when they get through with it, they come down off the nest and you can hear them hollering all over the yard, I just finished a whole day's work. You can tell which hens are laying because she makes a big racket about it. So that's what the whole thing is, is we've got to see things that God asks us to do from his viewpoint, not ours. And that's not easy to do because we've got so many things that are natural to our body that we just do without thinking. And we've got to see how he says and what he thinks about all of those things. And we'll look at the third chapter of Colossians because his lesson starts with us and ends with us. It's all, he's in the people business. And when he talks about us, he's talking about people. 
And in order to be in his business, we got to be in the people business too. What did we start out saying? The two most important scriptures in the Bible. One is love God with all your heart, mind, and your soul. Number two is love your neighbor as yourself. Now how can you love your neighbor as well as you love yourself if you don't treat him better than you treat your own self? So living for Jesus, the epitome of that, is always treating other people like they're better than you. And you can get that done by doing it that way. But that's not easy to do either because some of them just don't want to be better than you. They want to be worse than you and they want to make sure you understand it. <laughs> but you've even got to treat them that way, my Bible says. So let's look at the start of something in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. This is a commandment to children. That was us when we started out. I don't know whether you remember your beginning Sunday school teacher or not, but I remember mine. I remember things she taught me when I was four years old. Those things stick with you. They don't leave you. And I praise God that my folks had me in church when I was that young. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, just a couple of pages over, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, now, the first thing we found that said it's right, you know, I teach you, and I believe myself, when you say, well, I won't live my life right, well, whose right are you talking about? <laughs> Everybody's got a right. Everybody's got a wrong. You can't please everybody, but you can please God if you live his right. Do you know that is the only commandment given to your children? Is to obey their parents. The only one. There's only one, and that's it. Now, it talks about honoring your parents, but that's respecting them, and that is being obedient to them. But the only commandment for children is to do what your parents tell you to do. It's about being obedient. Now let me throw this in for your perception. Let me add this to what you're thinking about what you just saw. You cannot punish a child for doing what is not right. Do what? You can't. Not according to God, you can't. The only thing you can punish a child for is disobedience. Not doing what you told them to do or doing what you told them not to do. That's the only thing you can get on a child for. And if you try to do it that way, because I tried, I knew about this before, Mine were that big. They come back, well, I forgot that, or I didn't know that. So what we did, put it on the refrigerator. Each child's got a rule. And as they get older, they got more rules. And before they could read, our children memorized those rules. And the only, cause the only thing I could spank one for 
was not doing a rule for him. I understood that. If I did that, I was wrong. And I remember my mother with her teeth gritted and her veins standing out in her neck, whacking me good ones, saying, you should have known better than do that. You can't do that. Not in God's way. You're disobeying God if you do that. You know why? Because that makes the child responsible for determining what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. They're not capable of doing that. So you see, being obedient to what your mama and daddy has told you is the simplest thing in the whole world, as long as they understand what it is. So you start out by teaching your children to be obedient. You cannot put the burden of knowledge of right and wrong on two and three and four-year-old children. And if they come from the womb sinning, like David said I did, you got to be spanking them pretty early. But the only thing you can spank them for is disobedience. That makes sense. And you see, God does the same thing. God doesn't get on you for what you don't know. Only what you know. Turn, if you will, to the 23rd chapter of Proverbs. I want to show you something else. Proverbs chapter 23. Now you say, but most of us are grown. Does this really apply to us? Well, you just keep listening. Proverbs 23 and verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child. For if thou beatest him with a rod, he shall not die. Now why in the world would God want to convince us that we wasn't going to kill our kids? That's what he says. Spank him. You won't kill him. But then look what he says. Thou shalt beat him with a rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Do what? All of a sudden, that fly flap or that wooden spoon or that stick or that, that belt or dad or mom's hand. And in my case, my mama's one by four piece of pine that was four foot long. I was 17 at the time and she thought she needed to make an impression, and she really did. I've never forgotten. God makes that thing that he gives you to enforce obedience in your children an evangelical tool. He says, you spank them, and you'll save their soul from hell. You ever thought about it that way? That's the way God sees it. That's the way we need to see it. You say, but wait a minute. The world has changed. You can't spank them in Walmart no more. No, you can't. No, you can't. That just shows, though, how far our government has got away from our God. When I was little, you could. 
and I've been asked, well, what do you do now? Well, I'll tell you what I told them. When my daddy looked at you in Walmart and pointed a finger at you, you knew what you was going to get at the house, and it worked. That's all it took. But I want to show you something else about obedience. Look right across the page in my book. Over there in 22, chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We've all heard that. Whether we're even born again or not, we know that scripture. We've even repeated it to other people. But it doesn't say what a lot of people think it says. Now listen to this. Train up a child in the way that he should go. There is a proper way to train him up. How? God's way. Because God's the one doing the talking here. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now there's a kicker right there. You know what that word old is? There are several words, definitions for the word old in Scripture. This particular word right here is when he is old enough to grow whiskers. If you bring him up like he's supposed to, when he gets big enough to start growing whiskers, he won't leave what you've taught him. Now, when I was a kid, there was a lot of grandmas that, that believed that if they trained their children up in the way that they should go, that when they got to be 60 years old, they'd come back to the church. That is not what this says. This says when they get to be 15, 16, 17, they won't leave. You say, well, how much difference is that? Well, I'll tell you this. In the people who were responsible for that child's raising, it has all together to do with their prayer life. Lord, I know you're going to send my boy back. He's the biggest thug i ever seen right now. But you know I raised him right, so he's going to be okay. No, that's not true. The fact is, because he's not acting right, that means you didn't raise him right. And your prayer should be, Lord, straighten him out and bring him back into your fold because I didn't do, please forgive me because I didn't do my job like I needed to. Now, all of this stuff, y'all, is playing God. That's the way he thinks. He wrote it in this book, and he hasn't changed. In 2,000 years, this scripture's never changed. It's still there, just like it was when he wrote it. Now here's another one. This one always brought a gasp out of some of the mamas. But I want to show you, and I, God, I think, puts this in to show us the, 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 the limit he is willing to go to for disobedience. What I'm trying to teach here is this. Our relationship with God is one of obedience. That is the biggest thing. It's not about being good. It's not about being right. It's not about going to church every Sunday. It's not about doing this or doing that or doing this. It's about obedience. And that's what the whole thing's about. And we'll see as it follows through the way he follows this whole thing through. But listen to this. This came from Deuteronomy chapter 21 
And it's part of the laws when God set up the promised land for his people, this is one of the laws that was put into the government. Chapter 21, verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and a rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father. Uh-oh. What we've been reading about didn't work. Why didn't it work? I have no idea. But when you find yourself with a boy with whiskers on his chin that won't listen to his mom and daddy, that's where this is right here. Which will not obey the voice of his father or his, the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, they've spanked him, they beat him with a rod, it's not working. I suppose they probably waited too long. And he will not hearken unto them. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of the place, the leaders of the city where they live and at the town hall where they're all meeting. They met at the gate of the city. That's what this is talking about. Carry your son to the town hall to the authorities that are supposed to keep the peace in that town. And they shall say unto the elders of this city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of this city shall stone him with stones that he die. Now one thing I'd like to put in your mind. Suppose you were 16 years old and you had been raised in this type of environment where you knew if you did not do what your mom and daddy told you to do, you could wind up dead before you're 20. Well, our experts tell us that the death penalty is not something that keeps people from sinning. They tell us that all the time. Well, let's see what God says. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. God says it is a deterrent to sin. Killing people is one way of dealing with some people who are so bad that no, their own mom and daddy can't do anything with them. And I'm telling you folks, we've got a country full of people like that right now. They have never learned the word no. They've never learned to do what people in authority, because see, as you go out from mom and daddy and you're getting closer to the time when you leave home, you get to where you understand that there's other authorities out there too. Fear of death is a deterrent. God says it is, so it must be for anybody who will not obey or hearken. You deal with your children's sin until you can turn it over to the local law. You remember? You remember when you was a teenager and they pulled over somebody when I was that age, they would tell you, 
If you if I catch you doing it again, I'll tell you, Daddy. That was all they had to do. That don't work no more. And a man who had been incarcerated in the Georgia state penal system, he'd been in prison in Georgia 22 years and got saved in prison and came out and had a ministry to the prisoners, to people who are in jail, told me, he's the one that convinced me, you do not need to try to talk to people in prison. I said, why not? I thought that was something I was supposed to do. He said, nope. They're not going to listen to you anyhow. Besides that, they lie to you and you can't tell it. They can't lie to me. I've been there. I know what they're saying. And they'll say anything to get out of jail. And they'll find out what you want them to say and they'll say it just to do. So you don't need that ministry. You need ex-cons to work in that ministry. That's the time when I quit going to jails on a regular business, on a regular, regular basis. Because he told me, you don't have a ministry there. You can't because you haven't been there. He told me, he said, the first time a young person hears the word no and understands it to be something he can't get around, it really doesn't need to be wearing a badge. You need to break him in at home. And so many people now, the first time they hear that stern no is from authority. And that's not good at all. In Romans chapter 13, it tells us that we reach a point to where we have to turn now, remember what I told you about Noah when he got off the boat? There's only eight people alive in the whole world. And God says when man kills man, when man sheds man's blood by his blood, by man shall his blood be shed. It was a rule. But at some point we had to turn it over to the government. Romans chapter 13 tells us we need to do that. But if you will, please turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Now we get a little bit closer. This has been kind of a civil sermon so far, but we're getting closer to Jesus now. This is all Jesus' Father who is telling us all of this. And you see, he had to deal with his son like we have to deal with our sons and daughters. And he's explaining some things. In Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 8, though he were a son of God, he's talking about Jesus here, folks, even though the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus was an own son of God, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. What is disobedience? It's a call for something to suffer. God does it. 
He tells us to do it. You hurt somebody that won't listen to you. You hurt somebody that won't obey until they learn to obey. But he says here that even though Jesus, now this thing answers a lot of questions. I've had people argue with me that Jesus performed little childlike miracles in the sandbox. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And I'll show you in the next scripture. But it says that Jesus, even though he was a son of God, he came from heaven, was born down here as a man. He had to learn to be obedient to God by the things that he suffered just like you and I do. Well, that seems strange. I've often wondered, you know, but see, when his mom asked him to perform a miracle at the wedding of Cana, he said, my time's not ready yet. I'm not supposed to do that yet. Jesus had never performed a miracle up to that time, and I don't believe he did until the Holy Spirit came on him at the baptism at the Jordan when John the Baptist baptized him. That's when he started, became equipped to do miracles. As a child being raised up, he didn't. Obedience, people, is something that is learned. You don't get it automatic. You learn how to be obedient from the things that are unappealing to you by being punished for things that you were disobedient about. In verse 9, and being made perfect, Jesus was made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation. Where did we get all our salvation? from Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. It was because of him and nobody else that we are able to be called children of God today. It was believing in his death, burial, and resurrection that allowed us to be called Christians and to have our sins forgiven us. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them, what? that obey him. Our relationship with God, folks, is about obedience. You don't have to figure out what's right. You don't have to figure out what's wrong. You don't have to figure out what's appropriate. You don't have to figure out what society will put up with. All you've got to do is to be obedient to what God tells you. And he's the only one that knows right. It's something different with everybody else. We can all do something that somebody thinks is wrong, regardless of what it is. And if you've had any experience whatsoever with Facebook, I have not except Judy showing me stuff on Facebook. Whatever position you take and you make it public, somebody's not going to like it. And if you want to let folks find out what you actually believe and be mad at you because of it, tell them on Facebook. That's all you have to do. That's 
how hard it is to figure out what right is. But see, God knows what it is, and he tells us. Obedience is a learned thing. And there's one thing that I learned early on in the early 80s in teaching this thing about child discipline is that applied discipline. Your, your discipline applied to a child results in self-discipline. If you get on a young enough and make him obedient enough, he will grow into somebody who is obedient automatically. That's the only way he knows. And that's our job. We raise up Christian kids so they will be obedient to our God just like they were obedient to us, our parents, their parents. We are the model, and we have to figure out how to do it. And when they do what we know is wrong, we have to step in and stop it some kind of way. Or else they grow into, with whiskers, somebody that deserves death, according to God. Turn to Philippians, just a few pages back, chapter 2. This explains it right here. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You need to think just like Jesus thought. You need to look at things just like Jesus looked at them. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. but made of himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus, in anticipating that he was fixing to come to earth and be born as a baby, just like we are born as babies, and to be raised just like we were raised, Jesus did away with all his heavenly privileges. All the things that he had before he came here as a baby, when he was God's right-hand man in heaven, with all the glory he had and everything, if you go to 17th chapter of John, he, he asked God, now that I'm fixing to die, put me back with the glory I had before I left heaven. But it said before he came, he did away with all those privileges he had and was made in the likeness of men. He became just like you and I. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You hear that? Jesus became 100% obedient. Now, without the old sin nature of which we have, we can't be 100% like he was because we've got the old sin nature. We sin because there's evil always in the middle of us. No matter how good we get or how right we get or how whatever kind of 
kind of adjective you want to use. There's evil within us. But there wasn't with Jesus. He became perfect. And he became 100% obedient even to going to the cross and dying for you and me. This was God's plan, people. You remember Jesus in the garden? said, Lord, I don't want to have to do this. But not my will, but yours. He did what God wanted him to do. He did God's plan instead of his plan. That's another example for us. You got plans? They better not go against God's plan because you'll have problems. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him. Wherefore, you remember, you know what that means? Because of him being 100% disobedient uh, to God, even to the, the, the obedience of going to the cross and dying, God hath also highly exalted his name and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. God gave Jesus authority because of his obedience to everything. He gave him authority over everything because he was obedient. Now, does that give you a kind of an idea of how important being obedient is? It's everything. Jesus showed us that. Now, if you will, look at Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. 28, 18, Matthew. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, this is, he came to the disciples and talked to them before he went back up to heaven in a cloud. And what he said to his disciples was this, and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Remember what he said? He was obedient unto death. And so God gave him all authority because he was obedient. You want authority in the kingdom of God? How do you get it? By doing what God told you. And look at the Great Commission. The one thing he said when he was back here before we left. This scripture is famous for all of us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is what we're supposed to do. Go and teach. Not convert people, but teach them. Teach them what? It says a couple of chapters over, teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we teach them. We teach them how to be saved. Because what? We're saved so we know how to be saved. Then look at what it says in verse 20. Teaching them, what is your job? Teaching people to observe all things whatsoever Jesus has commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. If you will do this, 
I'm with you always. You're saved forever. You'll never die. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. God put Jesus in charge of every single thing that exists. They're talking about, is there people in outer space? Maybe there are, maybe they're not. I don't believe in them. I hadn't seen one. They told me about ghosts. Did I believe in ghosts? I've worked with some people who've seen them. I never saw one. Do I believe in ghosts? No, not yet. Do I poo-poo people who believe in ghosts? No, because I don't know them. Maybe they've seen them. I haven't. That's what they're talking about aliens right now. They've been on the earth and the government even got some bodies somewhere. Okay, so they have. Until I see it, I won't believe it. Because my granddaddy told me don't believe but half. Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. <laughs> so that makes a, spec, a, a, a kind of a fellow that's, that's hard to get something over on, huh? We're commanded to teach other people to obey Jesus as Jesus obeyed God. From our existence as a little child, we should be taught to obey. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, I don't know about that right there. I don't know for sure if that's right. That's not my call. I have attempted to teach God's people how to live according to God. That's my goal. But what I use is this book. My opinion is not worth a quarter. It's not worth any more yours. Certainly not important enough for me to have to stand up here and you sit out there. So all I do is teach you what God's Word says. But our whole relationship with God is built on our obedience to what He said. That's the important thing. That is the one thing that children have been taught. And once they're taught, they follow it the rest of their lives. My dad wore a badge for a while. And he carried one of them slapjack things in his back pocket. And I've been spanked with it. And I'll respect police officers as long as I live because my daddy had a back. And I got spanked with one of those slapjacks, those things that they knock people out with. And they hurt. But it was a handy thing. He carried it in his back pocket, so, you know, it was a handy thing for him to reach and get a hold of it. But my point being to all of us is this. Please understand, obedience might be a great deal bigger thing according to God than what we've treated it like. And we're trying our best to go up and down the road looking good to everybody, looking nice to everybody, looking right to everybody, and everybody's got a good, different good, nice, and right. How can you do it? The fact is, you can't. If we're to be a peculiar people, that means that the people around us who do not have Jesus Christ, 
are going to think we're weird. And you know what it is? It's true. If you act like Jesus wants you to act, you're obedient to God, you'll be weird. But that's not a big thing. And we're all called to be obedient. That is something God wants us to understand. Now, does the world back us up? No, but it never has. Does the legal system back us up? No, but it never has. They've all gotten away from God. They don't even... They don't even live like there is a God anymore, most of them. So don't expect, if you're legal, don't expect that to suit God, because it may not. You've got to be obedient to Him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. I thank you, Lord, for your opinion because it's really the only one that matters. Teach us, Lord, living on this earth, living in this world, living every day with all the situations we have to deal with. Teach us how you would act thinking like you think if you lived in our body and had to live here today. Take these lessons and these ideals that we've looked at from Scripture and make them work for us in our everyday lives. Teach us to respect God and what He says about things. And Lord, as some of these folks did, some of the disciples got their heads cut off for doing what God wanted them to do. And the world didn't care. Lord, I don't know if we can have that much commitment to you, but if it's possible, we pray that some of us might have it. <coughs> so that regardless of the situation, we can represent you on this earth that Satan runs. Lord, have us do that. And have us do that in such a way you can pat us on the back and say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Lord, that's our calling. That's our job. So teach us what your opinion is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.